You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. Our question today is how do we as Christians disagree and even at times disagree with one another? So there's a lot of disagreement in our culture today, and it seems like as time goes along, human beings are becoming worse and worse at disagreeing with one another. There are a lot of things that we disagree on. So how do we as followers of Jesus view our disagreements and the people with whom we disagree through the lens of the gospel? It's an important discussion for us to have. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, and then Zach Wyrock, another member of our leadership team. Our question today is, how do we as Christians disagree with one another? So right now we're headed into another election, and it seems like uh, whether it's the COVID crisis or I don't know, the, the world seems charged right now, and everybody is disagreeing about everything and it doesn't seem like they're doing it very well. So uh, how do we, as followers of Jesus, disagree with one another? How can we handle that in a way that is both healthy healthy and honoring to God? That's a good starting point for us. Yeah, you know, I think you got to start with why disagreements uh, are so animated or so nasty. Yeah, in how, our why have we lost the ability to dialogue yeah. at yeah. all? Right? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you see it in, in a variety of platforms. If it's two guys at a coffee shop— or two politicians, or like when did it? When did we normalize violent disagreement, right? Uh, and I think I would say culturally. I mean, I think James tells us that the reason why there are fights and quarrels and uh, among us uh, is because we, you know, we lust after what we don't have. I think what he's saying is self-centered people don't disagree well, right? The more self-centered our culture gets, and. You know, that's where we're at now. You know, the self is at the center of everything, self-esteem, self-actualization. Life is about who you are and who you want to be and how you make it. Then we begin to view people not so much as as who they are, but who they are to us through the lens of us. So do they agree with me or disagree with me? And if they agree with me, they have value. If they disagree with me, they don't have value uh, because I'm only viewing people through the lens of myself. And what happens when we do that? is that we begin to affix labels to people, we begin to reduce them down to their points of agreement or disagreement with us, and we no longer see them as people, I think. So we say, she's a liberal, he's a conservative, he's a this, she's a that. And you know, we reduce people down to just their viewpoint, and if that all they are is that viewpoint, well, viewpoints can be attacked. Viewpoints can be belittled, viewpoints can be mocked, right? And we we treat them as though they're an idiot because they're wrong on this. They disagree with me on this. Instead of saying, well, that person is more than just that view, uh, we, we fail to see them as that. We only view them through the lens of what they believe and how that what they believe is, is right or wrong based on what I think. Yeah, and there are certain levels of that, right? Because, um, I mean, nobody agrees about everything— but we seem to be able to have certain people that we say, oh, yeah, uh, we are good friends and we disagree. Like uh, Jimmy and I are good friends and he likes the Patriots, oh, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just yeah. it makes no sense. But the point of disagreement. <laughs> yeah. But the, the question is, why, why are there certain areas? And I'm just asking, I don't have an answer to this, but there, there are certain areas where we do say, oh, well, that's such an important area that I will discount them. I agree completely with with what you said. We tend to devalue people. 
who don't agree with us, but only in certain areas. Well, it's interesting, though, because like take sports as an example. So, you know, sports disagreements have historically been part of the fun of being a sports fan, right? We argue over who's the greatest right, or right. which team would win if we could pit teams from different eras. But if I turn on ESPN now or other sports channels, all their shows are just two people yelling at each other. Right. That's you know, true. who's the best quarterback? Well, you're an idiot. You think it's so you see it's even trickling over into those areas. I, I think the reason why you and Jimmy are able to disagree, and I, this goes back to my point, is that well, is that you guys know each other. Jimmy is not just a Patriots right. fan to you. Right. He's more. He's a husband. He's a father. He's a coworker. He's a colleague. He's a, so you can place his Patriot fandom lack of integrity, though it may be, <laughs> you can place it in, in, in the overall picture of him. When we, If we were to reduce Jimmy down to just that, right, well, then it would be far easier to, right. to come at him really hard yeah. about it. It's totally different to be in a relationship with somebody, whereas if you, you know, posted something on Facebook about the Browns and some Patriots fan comes out of left field and starts talking trash on your timeline— yeah. You might think of that person differently. Mm-hmm. Not right. maybe not right. much differently than you think of me, but <laughs> yeah. but differently than you think of me. Yeah. And I, I just want to say, it, it, there's nothing wrong with being a New England Patriots fan. I don't understand the, especially now. Like I've I've stuck with it even in the wake of Tom Brady. You haven't yet played a game without Tom Brady. I, what's your point? I don't understand. <laughs> your, I don't understand your point. Yeah, I, I think I think what I'm saying is this is where Christianity can be so helpful. Because Christianity is telling us that the the lens through which we view any person is that they're made in the image of God. That, that's the starting point. This person is made in the image of God. Before I hear their view on any subject matter, sports, politics, religion, it doesn't matter. Before I hear the view, they have value. They're they're deserving of a certain amount of respect and 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 and, uh, and value being afforded to them. And without that, without that baseline level, I think we lose a reason for decency and we revert to, I should deal with this person as either an ally or an enemy. That's the only category they're in. But Christians go, even if they're an enemy, ideologically, they they share with me in the role of imaging God, so they have value. And I think that's where Christians can really press into the culture and I think build interest in the gospel because we have a baseline that will enable us to engage those who disagree with us well. Unfortunately, we are often as guilty as 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 vilifying our enemies uh, as the culture, and I'm not sure we're leaning into that idea of being made in the image of God the way we ought. Well, I think that some of this uh, inability to disagree seems, in my mind, and this is totally conjecture, but to have coincided with the rise of social media within our culture, because I think that uh, a lot of people put their views on social media, and they do it in pithy ways, they do it in ways that are designed to incite conversation or even disagreement itself. And I think it's really easy to see one tweet from a person and just say, oh, that person's a moron. I wouldn't want anything to do with that person. And what you're doing when you do that is taking an entire person, as you've said previously, Zach, and and categorizing them. Or an entire viewpoint. Yeah. As though, you know, in Twitter, anyone can fit a whole idea of anything into 200 characters, right? So you you read a, a quote on Twitter and you say, oh, I know exactly what you believe about this I know this what subject. kind of person this well, is. No, of, yeah. of, of course not. How, how, how could you? Yeah, I think some of that goes back to that self-importance too, is that social media has given everyone a platform and that the result of which is everyone thinks they're an expert on everything. 
They have an opinion on everything, a strong opinion on everything. You know, I once had someone say this to me, and this is really profound advice. They said, Zach, you're not really ready to, to disagree with someone or to argue with someone until you can state their position or their viewpoint in such a way that they would look at you and go, yes, that's exactly what I believe. Yes, that is what I think. Right, because the idea is until I can do that, right, I'm arguing we, with a ghost. Right, we tend to caricature, right, yeah. and we and we build a straw man, and then yeah. we attack. Oh, you're a Democrat? Well, then right. you think this. Oh, you're a Republican? You think this. Oh, you voted this way? You think that. Oh, you are a fan of this team? You you're think a cheater. That, right? Yeah, I get it. But the truth is, but the truth is, <laughs> again, again, it goes back to that point of. Am I seeking to engage with a viewpoint or a person? Right, right. Right. So Christian says there is no viewpoint detached from a person, right? The culture says, no, I'm arguing with this view. So the Christian says, if there's a person behind there, then what's most important is that I understand who they are and where they're coming from before I engage their viewpoint. And I, and I think we just don't often do that. And so we end up arguing with not even what that person is actually saying or believing. We're arguing with a version of what we think they're saying or believing. And the result is we're missing each other. You know, we're just shouting past each other. We're not actually dialoguing. So what are some tips that we can give people or can take ourselves as Christians? Um, I mean, I, I think social media is and, and emails have done so much damage because yeah. people are so much bolder. It's Sometimes easy to email, type like something. Like I'll get yeah. some emails from people, and if I meet with them, they're, they are much, much different in person than what they presented on email. And I'm, and I'm guilty of the same thing. I'm much bolder uh, because when you're looking somebody in the eye, it's different. Yeah, I will say, let me just jump in real, real quick there. I use a tool called Grammarly. And this is, they're not paying me, it's a free advertisement, but their email thing is actually free and they have a tone check on there. You can go to grammarly.com and it will tell you this is an angry email. Here's why. It'll highlight the word choices. And and I find that really helpful because then it forces me to a moment of decision. Do I intend to send an angry email? Should I be intending to send an angry email? So just encourage you. There are tools out there that can help you catch that because sometimes I think people don't realize how they're they're coming across Um, um, I was going to say, Zach, you're one of the better disagreeers that I've, and we've been working together for two years. I've seen you disagree with people in a number of environments, whether it's uh, a parent on a football field that's upset about their son's playing time or conversations within our leadership team where we are on this, on different pages in terms yeah. of decisions. Uh, what tips would you give? Cause I feel like, yeah, I've, I've been in a number of situations where it's a strong disagreement, but I've never felt or not often felt like it's crossed into some kind of uh, uncivil or anything. I don't know. I just feel like, what can you talk us through how you think through yeah, those conversations? Yeah, I think, I think two, th- thank you for saying that. I, I think two things I, I think come to mind. One is you've got to de-escalate the emotion of the situation. You know, I chuckled when you mentioned a parent uh, about, playing time. Jimmy and I coach football together in Hudson and those are often heated conversations, right? And I think you got to try to get past the emotion uh, of the moment and you got to not let yourself get sucked into that because then it just becomes about like, you, you, you know, you're both angry with each other. The slam other dunk contest. Shouting, yeah, you're just shouting each other down and who can get the best zinger or one liner in and, and that kind of thing. And uh, I think the second thing Well, is, wait, let yeah. me stop you there. How do you yeah. do that? Yeah, like I come, like if I'm a parent and I come up to you and I'm already angry, yeah, and I'm emotional. How do you de-escalate that? 
Yeah, I think I try to move it to facts as quickly as I can. You know, I understand in that scenario, I'd be saying, I understand why the parent's upset, right? I have kids. I want my kids to succeed. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of men, especially who are into sports, will dream about what their kids might one day be. And, you know, and maybe this parent is now seeing those dreams <laughs> crash because it's apparent their child is not going to be the star, at least not on the, in the seventh grade or, you know, whatever. So, you know, I, I think I try to recognize where the emotion comes from, right? That That's a great question. I, I think saying, like, in that case, this parent just loves their kid. Do I think that's bad or good? Well, I think that's good, right? I mean, like, if the alternative is a parent who never comes to practice, never comes to a game, right? right. So I first just try to appreciate where the emotion is coming from. Like, what a great thing that this parent cares for the kid. What I need to then help this parent understand is, is a couple of things. One is, uh, you know, there are other kids on the football team whose parents also want them to succeed. And, you know, my job is to put everyone in the right position and and care for all the kids, not just their kid. They're, they're representing one kid on the team I'm thinking about. But then the second thing is to try to convince them, in that case, I'm for their kid. Hey, the, the place your emotion is coming from, we share that. I want your child to do well, right? And ultimately, if I put your kid in a position to not be successful and every other kid on the football team knows that, hey, the reason why we lost that game is because little Johnny was playing tailback and he shouldn't have been playing tailback, like that's not going to be good for your kid. And that's going to be a different kind of emotion that you're going to experience. So is there a way of me building a bridge with you of going, hey, we share the same passion, not in the same way, you're their parent, I'm not, right? But but what I'm doing is not detached from that, right? It is it is connected to, to, to that. So that's part of it is try to understand, you know, so if we're in a leadership team meeting and, and we're arguing over the best way to engage people who are not Christians, like I love that the passion exists in the room. I share that passion, right? So trying to figure out a way to do that. And then I think the second thing is again, and this is not easy, really trying to understand the legitimacy of the other person's viewpoint. You know, like, Joe, you and I have had some disagreements, and I, and I think forcing myself to go, what is Joe saying, and why is he saying that, often has me often has me realizing, like, oh, there's some value, like, there's legitimacy to what he's saying. I, I need to rethink. I, I need to... So, so I guess what I'm saying is, I just think the first thing to do in disagreement is to ask questions and to understand. Before, right. before I even try to push back, let me understand. It's possible I'm wrong, right? It's possible I'm wrong. It's possible I don't, I misunderstand you, right? Also, I think that's a great way to de-escalate emotions. Someone's angry and I go, help me understand a little more where you're coming from, right? Help me see it your way. What, what they're hearing is that we're not enemies, right? right? We're not enemies. I, I, I want to figure this out. And I, and I just feel like often when I ask a few clarifying questions, I end up finding that what I would have aimed at is not actually what's going on. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Now, um, there are basically uh, your reactions to uh, when when people disagree, sometimes people feel attacked and for good reason. I mean, because uh, let's say, I mean, the disagreement that Zach just talked about with a parent coming up, the parent might have come up with attacking Almost certainly. aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, now, there is the, the, the two kind of uh, responses to being attacked are usually fight or flight kind of thing. Uh, I tend to be a fighter. So my initial response is to be defensive, to try to push away, to get some space to think. Zach, you don't seem like you need that space to think. I mean, I, I've, I have just recently read about uh, flooding, which is uh, an emotional response to feeling defensive where emotions 
flood quickly, and people who flood don't make good uh, disagreeers. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I've, I've thought of, I've known for a long time, ever since I started watching politics, I could never be a politician because I fled and I uh-huh. respond in a negative way. How about for the people who are, who are, uh, let's talk about people who are fighters and people who are uh, flight people, how do they best disagree? I guess, Zach, you might have already answered the fight people, which is to try to understand, to ask questions, to try to listen. Yeah, I might just add to that, walk away sometimes, say, hey, let's pick this back up later. Right. I'm too upset. Push away from the keyboard. I shouldn't respond to this. You know. That yeah, the more time I have in between to think and to try to process, the better it is. Uh, but people who are flight people, uh, how do they disagree? Because their tendency is to retreat as soon as somebody disagrees with them. Or to... Uh, just in their desire to restore harmony, to agree with things that they don't actually agree Correct. with, to say right. yes to things they don't actually want to say yes to. Yeah, I think, the the again, the starting point is the goal here in Christian disagreement, uh, outside of glorifying God, and truth obviously glorifies God, and, and, and things that are not true do not glorify God. So that's a starting point, is to say, okay, it does matter that we get it right, right? It does matter. If we're talking about an objective subject matter of right, it does matter. Um, but then also, I, I think is saying that va- if the goal is is valuing people, then sometimes peace is the enemy of that, right? I think that's really important. Like because because you're not just valuing the other per- person, you're also saying you have value, right. right? So if you just swallow it, take it, retreat from it, you may feel like you're you're maximizing their value, but you're actually actually diminishing yours, and that's not good. I also think you're not ma- maximizing theirs, or you are maybe you're overinflating it. You're giving them like a person who walks around with a sense that they are always right because everyone around them gives in is going to be a toxic person, right. including in their relationship with the Lord. Like sometimes the way we serve each other is by showing the other person how they're not right. So I think you're going to have to, in that case, you're going to say, I have an obligation to disagree only to do it well. So on the one hand, you might say, I have an obligation to disagree well. That's the fight people. On the flight people, you'd be saying, you actually have an obligation to disagree, that there are times where you're going to have to say something. You need to say something. Uh, and what I would say to that person is, oftentimes, if that's your wiring, your fear of being too strong, being you're so far from that. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like, if you just have the conversation, you're going to have it well. Like, you're, you're right. not going right. to... But I also will say this... I, you know, um, and I hope we're experiencing this as a leadership team at Christ Community Chapel. I often feel like relationships are built on the backside of disagreement. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, so. you know, like yeah. I think uh, uh, I'm going to use the word brotherhood. I also would include, obviously, women on this. Stacey Denaro's on our leadership team. She's great. So, so I mean brotherhood, men and women together. But I, there's like a camaraderie that is built from saying we have struggled, we have disagreed, we've come on out on the backside of those things still together. And and I think I think every great sports team I ever played on, there was right. a practice where somebody you, you know there was a fight or there was a right. I mean it's just because when you're trying to do something great, you're gonna have disagreements. I don't care if that great is marriage, or raising children, or running a company, or being in leadership at a church. You're trying to do something great, you're gonna disagree. But to come out on the back side of that and say, hey, we can see things differently and still care for each other, that's when real relationship happens. I chuckle now. I've been married for 15 years. And you know, I know some people listen to this podcast, 15 years is nothing. And, and, and I guess that's true in the grand scheme of things. But you know, I'll spend time with a younger couple. And the first question I always ask is, you know, w- w- what is the negative thing that surprised you about marriage? 
And sometimes they go, well, nothing. We don't fight. We don't. And I just say, well, who, which one of you is always getting their way? Right. 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 Because to me, a great marriage isn't a conflict-free marriage. It's a marriage that does conflict well, that disagrees well. Great partnerships are not conflict-free. They're, 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 they're conflict, conflict healthy. And, and I think uh, that's really important. Disagreement can be a pathway to great relationship. Yeah, and maybe we have that uh, modeled, or at least the story of it, in uh, the book of Acts with Saul and right. or with uh, Paul and Barnabas, and right. uh, a sharp enough disagreement for them to go their separate ways. But you realize at the end that they have made peace, that they're continuing to do uh, the work of ministry together. And so there's a reason we have that story. That's right. right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think, again, it is possible. I think this should be our goal in disagreement. Yes, that truth is elevated. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, if truth is elevated, that will sometimes mean you're wrong, right? So if you can't remember the last time you realized in a disagreement you were wrong, truth isn't being elevated. You are being elevated, okay? So truth needs to be elevated, but also I want to disagree with people in such a way that they leave not only understanding they have value, but that I believe they have value. Right, and I think if we can get there, not only will we have healthy relationships, healthy partnerships, healthy marriages, healthy, healthy kids, but also we will magnify the gospel in a culture that only knows how to shout at each other, that only knows how to do us and them, that only knows how to reduce people down to our viewpoints. That we will say the world is not about me. I do not view people through the lens of whether they're for me or against me, but the world is about the glory of God, and this person was made in their image. Therefore, when I disagree with them. Nothing I say, nothing I do can stand in contrast to that. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.